he was 14 when he was given a crank up camera a crank up movie camera this is Werner Herzog in Germany and uh, he's one of some eight children there's not a lot of money going around he starts playing with the camera and ends up becoming quite passionate about movie making And then he gets to hear about this script writing competition. And so he writes a script for this film, he sends it off, and after some time this postcard arrives saying he's got to go in for an interview with the film company. He doesn't have much money, so he's got to travel three days, so he, he would hitch and then get off and the way he describes it is that he would break into homes, let himself into homes where there was nobody there. There were sort of farmhouses. He would help himself to the food. He would stay the night. He would leave a very polite note saying that one day he's going to come and give it back. Thank you very much for your hospitality. And then he'd keep moving on. He arrives at the film studios. He's sitting in the reception. There's a bunch of other much older people, he's 14 years old, in his hand is clutched uh, this manual camera. And then they call him in. So he walks into the door and they said, who are you and what do you want? And he said, I'm Werner Herzog. And he said, so what? So he said, you've called me in and I've written that script. And they go, no, it can't be you. This is some kind of joke. And so his screenplay and his sort of script for the film is discarded and he makes his way home. Years later, I watched a retrospective of one of Herzog's films and uh, yes, <laughs> I even wrote to him and he wrote back and there was a bit of a letter exchange that I had with Herzog. And uh, his movie, Fitzcarraldo, is something that has been seen in my classes. And I've talked about the notion of the Ede fix, that it is not okay to constantly be dismissive of the Ede fix. And that's the intro. So welcome to Learner Center Design Education. I'm your host, Saumitri Vartarajan. This is the first of my uh, night recordings. So, no birds, but maybe the odd dog barking. It's a warm, windy night. So the topic for today's podcast is a question that people keep asking me. How do you design a course? And I haven't necessarily <laughs> managed to convince anybody that I do things the way I do them. So they go, no, that 
you can't just no no you can't do it like that so here's a bit of an explanation we're just to remind you uh, this is a this is season two and we are in new delhi and we are in a industrial design program so i'm i have at this time a an eu grant and i have collaborators in netherlands and delft and also collaborators in portugal plus i have a whole series of industry contacts there's funding there's a research program and which is in the background but in the foreground i'm teaching in an industrial design program i will go into a class which will have 25 students and i will teach a course which is which is called <laughs> eco design so it's essentially a studio and it doesn't have a fancy name it doesn't have an agenda it's essentially a studio on eco design so there are going to be 25 students in there the interesting thing about the context there so this is a masters program the 25 students are all graduate engineers uh, this they'd be the odd graduate architects but you're talking about people who've got a background in computer science computer electrical engineering or civil engineering or mechanical and so on and so forth so so they're sort of technically proficient graduates but they also get a stipend from the government and they each of the candidates has to do x number of hours for a teacher that they're assigned to so i might have let's say of the 25 divided by 5 you might have 3 or 4 uh, research assistants or teaching assistants the context of teaching in so you got a research program and the background you were teaching assistants and you are teaching a studio so uh, these days you don't use the word eco design we say sustainability which has lost all meaning <laughs> in that sense because there is no eco environment there isn't anything in it but more about terminologies and nomenclature later so this particular story can start with a typical thought experiment you have 25 students and you have 16 weeks so we used to have these 16 week semesters and each week you have a 4 hour contact time with the students which doesn't really matter very much because you have to see that these 25 students are probably all um, sort of living on campus students which means that they don't have another job they have nothing else they're doing they're just full time students like it would be in a normal university uh, like stanford or cambridge or oxford or any of these kinds of places you are a student you've gone in there if you're living in residences and you're a full-time student so that's a little bit of the context so the question that we are asking now is how do you design a course obviously there are two ways to do it one is to have a highly structured course where you say you've got 16 units of four so 16 four is 64 so you're going to do something in each of these 16 sort of uh, timetable slots and you take the whole quantum or quantity of knowledge that you want the students to acquire 
and then you cut it down and you say okay these are the kinds of things you can do in these 16 weeks some exercises some this some talks some presentations and you can lay out what happens in the classes and people who attend those classes then become knowledgeable about eco design that's one way what is the other way so the other way essentially starts with a method approach so what I've given you there is a content approach. It's the normal approach. Everybody does it. When you buy a course, you will see a program. And uh, some have called it the inoculation model. You do that program and you go through all those things. You now are eco-design proficient. You're competent. You're compliant. You know that content. And so that's the content approach. It's fine. 99.9% .9 of the planet runs on scheduled content-based learning modules. But suppose you take critical pedagogy and you say hang on a sec where is the student in all this is this isn't this a form of the banking model and so the critique of a content focused program of education exists because the student has to be a receptacle he has to be a container he has to be this sort of thing that you like a piggy bank that you stuff content into and they go mm, and then they do things with it so the, the critical pedagogy would have it that there has to be a transformation of the student. And the transformation of the student happens when they emerge and they get activated. Uh, the thing with 25 students is you've got 25 <laughs> students who get activated. So cr it's not so much critical pedagogy as it is Tahrir Square or it is Tunisia or the Arab Spring. You were essentially talking about the fact that how can you create the condition of an ignition? Why do you need an ignition? Um, years ago, and this is a segue into another podcast episode, which will happen later, but uh, for that podcast episode, I have to make a podcast um, title photo, which is from um, an earlier phase of my life. <laughs> Let's say I've got to go back some six, seven years. It's, it's a different photograph. For this period 1994 so the segue is as follows so Anna Castelli Ferrieri she was uh, married to the owner of cartel and she was the designer of a lot of cartels uh, very celebrated uh, plastic furniture pieces uh, so now we're going into a bit of fiction so the, we're talking to each other and she's saying Sumitri Sumitri you have to see that we were in the mountains the fascists were on the streets. We were in the mountains. And there was a war. So she's talking about the Second World War. So if you were 20 years old or 25 years old, or if you spent your, your, your prized youth during the Second World War, you have time to ask yourself, what is the point of it all and about the meaning? So what is the point of design? The commercial, utilitarian, uh, transactional commodity exchange uh, does not hold any meaning. You're up there, you've got your guns and you're hiding and you could uh, be dead any minute and you have to go out and you have to go and defend and fight and do various things. You're part of uh, the movement to free the planet of war and the strife and things like that. So the th mention of the essential humanity of 
the student. Now, uh, EcoDesign in 1994 contained a glossary of terms. EcoDesign in 1994 said that uh, there was cleaner production. Now there's EcoDesign, and in the future there's going to be dematerialization. This is the pathway to the solution of the environmental degradation caused by mass manufacture. And you go, yes, yes, yes. Uh, not really. But you say, yes, it, you redesign products and uh, the planet is safe and it's all fine. Everything is all right. And I think uh, burying uh, your head in the sand can have many different terms to describe it. But eco-design could suffice for now. Now, if you have that kind of position, then it is possible you're hanging out with activists who want impact and who want it now, who are putting their body in the woods in Italy to fight for their freedom, to make the world a better place. So thank you, Anna. Let this serve as a eulogy, and I'll come back to do Sergio Asti and Franco Raggi. If content is not enough, if learning uh, the glossary of terms that allow you to function in a job, in a factory where you're doing uh, environmental product design, if that is not enough, if the content is not relevant, what is the other way to think about it? And the other way to think about it is that this is a really beautiful space because ecology, the environment, and design entering into this shared commons of the planet is is a gorgeous, it's a very, very big place. You will never, ever be able to grasp it and know everything about it. You could go off and do your David Attenborough thing, and then you'd come back saying, but that he is talking about, you know, animals. You could read your... Uh, Russell Wallace and know a little bit more about that. But you want to now also know more about factories and the pollution and what happens in soil contamination. It's, it's impossible to grasp. So if you believe that each of these 25 have something in them, they contain the seeds of action or activism and environmentalism, then you could toy with the idea that why don't we have a go and see if we can awaken something in the student? We can induce, we can pull something out that already pre-exists inside them. So pre critical pedagogy essentially provides us with a context in which the pre-existing knowledge of the students and their ways of thinking uh, can be interrogated by them individually to question how they're constructing the world and its meaning. All right, so too much into abstraction over there. So you had uh, the content pathway. So you say, so how do you teach eco-design? You've got 16 weeks, how do you do it? So you can say, okay, there are two ways to do it. You can go down the content path, yep. And uh, <laughs> when you said two paths, I'm always sort of reminded of Michelle Obama when they take, the, uh, what is it? When they go high, we go low. When they go low, we go high. Um, so when they go content, we go method. So what is the method way? So method way is that there is no content. And the content is something that pre-exists in the students. What you need to do is you need to 
uh, do a Marie Kondo and uh, instigate them to do a Marie Kondo. Now we have 16 weeks and I sort of have a template and I should probably put a file or a descriptor for the template in my blog post. I will do that. So there will be a link uh, eventually in the podcast description and you can click on that and you can go and download a template or you can see a photograph of the template which you can recreate. So the the performance of education can happen through a lecture. So I'm quite fond of, let's say, the octagon or the eight things. So so there are eight things that constitute the performance of education. So you put a teacher and students together and one of these eight things will happen. And when that one of those eight things happen, you will say there is education happening. So when you have teachers and students getting together and meeting at a pub and drinking, then you would say, no, they're, they're drinking. So or you, when they're sitting down and having a meal, they're eating. But when the teacher is talking and the students are listening and nodding, then you can say that is education happening because that's a lecture, formally or informally. Okay, so what are the eight things? So one is lecture, one is a studio exercise. And the third one is a talk by somebody outside. It's like a visitor or a speaker will come and give a talk. You can sit and watch a film or a video. You can all sort of make a plan to go somewhere, sort of relocate yourself, do a field trip. You can all sit down and say, okay, why don't we take a topic and write a term paper. So the act of, let's say, doing the literature or using words or reading and writing and sort of producing it as some sort of a paper. There could also be something like an assignment. And uh, I think there's, there's a school way of thinking about assignments, but there's another way of thinking about assignments, like you are uh, a spy and you're on an assignment and you're going to go and find something out and then you're going to come back and and so the, the, there's potentiality for stealth. And the last, which is quite beautiful, is this notion of the case study. So you go find somebody who's doing something quite amazing. So you watch a movie by John Delio about the Loesch Plateau, and they're uh, doing the rewilding, and then you then hear about the weathermakers who are redoing the Sinai, and then you have this case study, and then you look at the weathermakers, and you find out everything about the weathermakers, and what is it that they're doing. So you have the potential to open things by yourselves. So you've got these eight things. 25 students. It's possible that three or four of them are my teaching assistants, so which means I can say to them, hey, I've got this framework. I need you to go in and set up the first class, and the first class is going to be a workshop, and the workshop is going to be about planning. And the planning is that you're all going to become spectacularly knowledgeable and activated by the end of the semester. So there is a goal, and there is a series of things that you need to plan. So let's say that we have eight different kinds of activities that need to be done. Lectures need to be done, yes. So who should do the lecture? So, Which then opens up the whole question, which this is something that has to be discussed. So they could turn around and say, why don't you do the lectures? And I'll go, no. I mean, if I do the lecture, I'll do the research and I'll put the lecture together. So I'll get all the knowledge. You have nothing. You just, you know, having to listen to me passively. But if you do the lecture that you have to do the research to find that material and put it together and so on and so forth. So the teachers who teach courses become more and more knowledgeable about the subjects and the students get a little bit of the knowledge, but the teachers having more of the fun is one way of thinking about the lecture. It's not that I have the content pre-existing in me and I'll come and talk about it. I mean, now I'm doing that because this is historical stuff, but if there is a topic, then I certainly uh, go and visit Google and say, tell me a bit more. So 
in the vertical, th we are in an Excel spreadsheet. So you're talking about the list contains uh, the eight forms of pedagogy or uh, the performances. And then the columns, I have five columns, and the columns have uh, sort of instigators. So you have context is the first column. The second column in those days, sustainable development. And it's quite interesting because sustainable development from 1984 to today has just uh, morphed and transformed quite a bit. But we'll leave that for now. Then you've got something called the systems level, and then you've got the product level, and eventually at the extreme end, you have a category called other, but rather than call it the other, it's called uh, emerging issues. So you'll find this tabulation up in the blog post. Now, if you were to look at, for example, uh, the performance where we have we had this thing about the talk why don't we go and ask somebody to come and talk to us about something or why don't we go somewhere find out if there's any talk or a meetup or something and all of us go and listen to that thing so it's a live performance it is somebody saying something in this particular instance uh, the, the person it was quite spectacular so there were two on two different occasions there were two very interesting sort of talks. One of them was on campus. There was a group that was wandering by and they went and grabbed them and said, can you come and can you come and talk to us? And we, we, we had this group doing this particular course and they were doing the literacy program and it was the KSSP Kerala Shastra KSSP. It was the movement done in Kerala and they were sort of talking about how they had achieved 100% literacy in a particular period, intensive period of uh, transformation. The second uh, talk was elsewhere in the city, and that was Medha Patkar talking about the dams. So we also, there is a talk there, and so people landed up over there. So just these two encounters were quite solid, and they were, they, they were quite fantastic. Now, there's, in terms of the other performance, this thing about the field trip. So there was quite a lot of conversation about the field trip, and I said, all right, here's what I can do. I can always ask the field trip, and they looked and said, on what? I said, well, we'll, t we'll do a waste trip. And they went, no, you're always, I was running the campus recycling program, so if you get me to suggest anything, it is going to be about waste. And finally, they said, okay, okay, let's listen, let's listen. And um, so there were two um, Dutch students also saying, that's, that's fantastic, we want to go and see, what is it? So I said, oh, what we're going to do is we're going to start from places where the waste is generated and we'll go step by step by step and we spend literally the whole day so we had to hire a couple of taxis and things like that we pulled up a bit of money and then we sort of figured out where somewhere where we'll go we'll have breakfast and another place we'll have lunch we are in the city of delhi and we're going to go to they said we want to see the landfill site we want to go and see where the recycling happens and so there was this huge, long, convoluted itinerary that was planned out for going from the campus to collection centers and from collection centers to tips and to recyclers in the city and people doing sort of collections in the city, container recycling, and then to go into composting plants and then to go finally on the outskirts of the city into the more sort of gray areas where there's sort of gray market and people threaten you, saying, why are you here? Who are you? And we said, no, no, we just come. These are students. These are students. 
we're not dangerous people. And so you go and see how waste is being recycled. So there's the field trip. So you start to get a sense that a lot is possible if one has an open mind to doing a whole bunch of these kinds of things. But of course, the, uh, you can't do a field trip just in those four hours, so you might take the whole day away, and it becomes an excursion, and it, there's a lot of planning involved. And the, the commitment to transforming 25 people is not just a private um, thing thought up by the teacher in the weeks prior to the start of the semester. It does so you have a you have a thing saying, I am going to make this, I've got a spreadsheet and I've got all these performances and I'm looking at the context and sustainable development, systems level, product level. I'm gonna do all these things and I'm gonna work out a schedule, uh, the min minutiae of classes and what happens when. And you forget that you actually don't know who the students are. You don't know how they will react. You don't know what they'll volunteer for. And you don't know what the volunteering and the organizing and setting up of these field trips and the talks and going out and going out of their comfort zone and then coming back and staying up at night and going to the noodle shop and having midnight noodles and bone vita. There's a lot of bone vita I keep mentioning. Was it Horlicks? Probably. These days it's cause become much more posh, or, or omelets, uh, paratha omelets, you know, having that at night, and then sitting up till 2 a.m. discussing because you were activated. That is priceless. And that is, all of that is being done by the students. So the students will say, if we are doing all of this, what are you doing? And you go, I, this is the IIT. We do things differently. <laughs> you know, everybody else goes in, and gives you, uh, you know, regurgitated content. It's like the eagle goes up to the nest and she's got food in her mouth that she's partly chewed and then she drops it into the mouths of the chicks. So regurgitated, I mean, better than spoon feeding, it's regurgitated teaching. So uh, you, do you want that or do you want this? No, they said, okay, okay, we want this, you know. So the general thing, I remember one student saying to me, do you take everything and make it really complicated? I said, probably that's one way of saying it. But the fact is, would you want it simple or complicated? No, no, they said, we want it complicated, but we're spending all our time in this course. You know, this is so exciting. There's so much to do. There's so much stress. Then we've got to go and find some money. We've got to do some sponsorship. We've got to get permissions. We've got to do this. Then we've got to document. We've got to and then when you go on a field trip, you take 100 photographs. That means you've got to get all the photographs and you've got to organize them and do a report, or whatever it is that they start to do. Is it something that you, as the listener, if you're a teacher, would you like to do? Would you like to go into a class saying, I have a framework and there are so many of you and I want to use this class, this 16-week period, as a period where you get profoundly activated? that something quite magical happens to you. You you see things, you start thinking things, you are uncomfortable, you discuss, you're, you make it valuable for yourself. And it's not quite unique. I've seen other people do it. They do lots of different kinds of things. It's just that we all do it in different ways because we get uh, theoretical 
sort of instigation in lots of different ways. I am going to say thank you to Mike Metty at Antioch, Maryland for one of those instigations. But I can't talk to you about Mike Metty because it has to be in the next season because that is a whole, what is it, about 10 years before uh, I'm doing it in this structured way that I was exposed to Mike Metty. So yes, how do you design a course? So just to wrap, a lot of people know how to design a course. They think it's the right way and that's the content way. I don't do the course in the content way. I do it in a way which is the method way, which means I look at different literature. 